grace ushers. This word ushers has a lot of really important definitions to what we want to apply in this series. For example, when we mean grace ushers, grace brings you somewhere. Hear me out. Grace brings you somewhere. When grace comes into your life, grace does not leave you in the same place. If grace has left you in the same place, it might not be grace. Because when grace comes, the package of grace, grace leads us somewhere. Grace ushers us into a new life. Grace ushers us into new things. Grace ushers us in a new lifestyle, in a new perspective, in a new thought life, into new desires. Grace ushers us. It brings us into something that we were not there before. Are we good? Grace ushers. Now, I think it's, this is going to be great for our ushering team, and there's going to be, I think, a lot of good things for every department, but it's for every believer who has encountered grace, and that grace has the power to bring you to a place you were not able to go to before. This is grace. Grace is not a free car to do what I want. We're going to talk about that too. Grace is not a free pass to live how I want this week. Grace brings us to an area. Grace brings us to a level. Grace brings us into a lifestyle. Grace brings us into new habits developing. Grace brings us into new passions and desires that are birthed in our heart. Grace brings us to a new life. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, our passage of scripture that we're going to be staying at for the most part is Titus chapter 2 verse 11 through 14. Let's read that really quick and then we're going to pray. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good things. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for what you have for us today. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. We want you to do what you need to do, what you want to do, what your plans are to do. We give you the rest of this service. We thank you that you have been moving already, speaking and touching us already. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, do what you need to do. Speak to us. We open our hearts to you. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you. God, let there be an expectancy right now in our heart, an expectancy right now in our faith to receive from you. Holy Spirit, we need you. My prayer is, Holy Spirit, I need you. I thank you so much that you show up every time we are thirsty for you. You show up every time we are in need of you. When we lack to see you, it's because we don't need you. But I need you, and we need you, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit. Have your way in this service. Have your way right now in every word that I say, everything that we talk about. Holy Spirit, have your way, I pray. 
We give you room right now in Jesus' mighty name. We make room for you, Holy Spirit. We make room for you to speak right now. We make room to receive in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, till the ground of our heart to receive your word in Jesus' mighty name. God, I pray for faith to arise right now in every heart and every person to receive what they need. I thank you, God, that when you came into our life, we were transformed forever. And I thank you that grace, it does the same thing. God, I just pray that every person, God, who's at a twisted twisted viewpoint, God, even maybe not knowingly about grace, who has not had the right mindset about grace, who has not treated grace the right way God today we want to know your grace more we want to receive your grace more we want to live by the power of your grace even more we thank you so much in your mighty name we pray amen amen bless your neighbor bless your neighbor okay right away I want to read uh, some scripture so let's go to Romans chapter 5 Okay, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. We love you. Romans chapter 5, let's start reading from verse 12. We're going to read the rest of this chapter. Is that okay? If it's not, I'm going to do it anyway. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. We're good? Are you sure? What happened? When Adam sinned, <laughs> when Adam sinned, Adam sinned brought death. So death spread to everyone. How many people? Uh oh. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Makes sense. Still, everyone died. The result of sin is what? Okay, so still, everyone died. Because all had? What do you know? From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, let's actually stop there. Now we can read a little bit more. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace, his what? And his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man. What is his name? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Can I read this again? 
As many times as I've read this, I continue to be amazed. So I'm going to read it again. When Adam's sin, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death, and death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey, one commandment of God, we can say it like that, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's, come on, but even greater is God's, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Let me try to help you understand just a little bit better. This helped me. From the moment Adam was born, created, till the moment Jesus came. And after Jesus, the next person that was born, till now present, everyone messed up. I know that. Do you? Everyone was in a place that God had not intended for us to be. Everyone was facing things in their life that God never intended for us to face. Everyone was going through things that God never wanted us to go through. We were in a place where everything was wrong and nothing was right about our life. I know about you, but that was definitely me before Jesus came and showed up. Now I want you to think about this. Yes, I know this. Yeah, we're going to see how you know this. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, I want you to take in consideration every era, every, let's say, century, every century, every century, every century, Increase of population, great numbers of people, all kinds of countries, all kinds of mess-ups and hiccups. People cheating on each other. People killing each other. People lying to each other. People wronging one another. People doing all kinds of evil. People stealing from each other. People looking at each other lustfully. Men sleeping with men. Women sleeping with women. Groups of people sleeping together. People cheating on people. People leaving their house. Prostitutes all around. Should I continue? Murderers everywhere. All kinds of evil. All kinds of wrong. Everywhere, in every place, at every time. From that moment till now. And you know what's crazy? Is that we take every century, we take every era, we take every people group, we take every nation, every language, every sin. We take all these things and we got a huge mess. We got such a big a mess that everyone, because of their lifestyle, because of what is in them, because of what they're born into, are dying. This helping you a little bit? 
Some of you, I know that still. Okay, here we go. And you take this mess. Now, can you, can you remember your most messed up season? Please. Just right now, really quick. Some of you are like, now. Nah, it's right now. <laughs> this is not hard for me to do. It's right now. <laughs> it's all good. Ain't going to be messed up when you leave in Jesus' name. Think about your most messed up season. Think about your most messed up season. Please, right now, really quick. This is going to help you so much. We're good? Everybody thought of it? Some, some people still thinking. Okay, we thought of it. Now, we take all of our mess and we put it together. Imagine. Now, we take all of Vancouver's mess and put it together. 400,000 people? Am I good on my numbers? I think. Somewhere around there. We take all the Portland metropolitan area. 2.3, maybe more now, 2.5 million people. Combine that together. Take all of Oregon and Washington. How many millions is that? 10? I don't know. Probably 10, maybe more. We take all the West Coast, put that mess together. I don't know, 100 million. We take all of America and put it together. America. <laughs> America. Are you hearing me? America. We take all of Europe and add it to it. Africa. Been Africa? Asia. Antarctica. <laughs> Didn't really put a dent in anything. <laughs> a lot of animals that maybe are messed up. I don't know. Polar bears doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't know. <laughs> South America. You seeing this? Now take all of that and multiply it by every century. And all of this God sees. Because he is not in the context of time. He sees all of this in one moment. Can we get to the good news? All of this, every century, every continent, its issues and problems, from the beginning to now, everything... God sends his son into one little, where was he born? Into one little manger. Now, this is, you know, this is so simple. But it's not. He sends his son, born by the Holy Spirit. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. She, she had to do it. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. In a virgin. One teenage girl. 
He's born in a manger. He lives in one city, moves to another, moves to another. In one, I don't even know, a hair, in one hair of time compared to everything that has been and will be. And then, oh man, in this small fragrant, fragrant of time, in this small little In this small moment, really a moment, that I don't know if that was that good. I don't, help me out. In a small millisecond of time compared to all time, a Jewish man is born. Living a life of 33 and a half or so years in one general region. Traveling around the same general area. And through this one man, in this moment of time, everything that we talked about was resolved in that place. Everything that ever was, everything that will ever be, everything that had gone absolutely out of control, everything that was upside down according to what God wanted in the beginning, in a moment of time, through one individual, happened to be hanging on a cross. Everything that was ever wrong was made right. In other words, everything that was wrong in all time was made right in one time. Oh, I didn't see it like that. <laughs> he made everything right that was wrong. Wait, but we still got a lot of wrong stuff. Yeah, we do. People that haven't received him. People that haven't believed in him. People who reject him. People who continue to mock and laugh at him. But for those of us, can I have anybody testify? Some people who Jesus stepped his foot into their life, came to know who he is, how he turned everything around that was wrong, how he made everything right, how he healed, how he resolved, how he spoke, how he comforted, how he lifted you up from where you were. You were in a pit you could not get out of, but Jesus came and pulled you out. Can somebody testify that when Jesus showed up, everything began to make sense? And can you imagine God does this in one moment of time? Who is in control, really? Who knows all things, really? Who's got it figured out, really? Who sees all and knows all, really? Who can do anything he can, really? God. Everything is in his perfect control. Nothing is out of his control. He sees, he knows, he can do. He is everywhere at the same time. Now think about this. He made everything right in a moment. He made everything right in a moment. Keep reading. 
Verse 16, right? And the result of God's gracious gift is very different. Yes, it is. From the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift, this is crazy, leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to bounce to chapter 11. Verse 5, it is the same today for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is. What is it? Free and undeserved. Now, there are artifacts that have been found. There are paintings that have been found. There are diamonds that have been found. Some of you maybe have seen this on, the, on you know, your email or seen this in a newspaper or seen this in a magazine. There's things, been, things that have been found that have no value, cannot be given value. Maybe that's a better way to say it. They have a lot of value. There is so much value in these things that there can't be an estimated value. There can't be a proposed value. There can't be a cost put on it. Are you with me? There are things that are so, they're worth so much to our world, worth so much to certain nations, worth so much to certain people, that you can't put a price tag on those items. Now I want you to think about this. God sent the best thing for you. I said this a few 
maybe a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I have a son, he's three months now, about to be three months, December 7th. Can you believe it? Three months already. He's smiling. He's trying to talk with us. I'm like, man, you're, gonna, you're already talking. You're going to preach well in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, I think about my son, and I'm like, what, what can I compare value to with him? What can I compare to him in this world? You know, of course, well, duh, nothing. He's your son. Like if it came to having, you think of it, anything, and my son, what would be more important? Then, you, you know, we think, well, duh, your son. But do you know how many children don't have parents? A baby is born. And parents don't want it. Leave it at an orphanage, leave it at doorstep. That still happens today. We know of orphanages in third world countries where kids are just left at the doorstep. Kids are just brought and the parents don't want them. They're brought even by other people. Hey, someone gave me this. I don't know whose it is, but they told me to give it to you. Can you believe that? Could you ever see yourself doing that? Man, this got really intense. Could you, could you see yourself doing that? Having a child and not wanting it. Giving it away for something else. Crazy. And I think maybe most of you don't understand because you don't have kids. I think you understand to an extent, but you don't completely understand because you don't have kids. Some of you that do have kids, you understand a lot more. But what's the difference between that and those of us that received his sin into our life, but we exchange it for something else? Is there a difference? God gives us his son, his one and only son. He comes, becomes a man for you and for me. Not because God needed it. For you and for me. Because he loved us. He comes and he dies for us. He goes to the cross for us. He bears whose sin? Our sin. He bears everything I've ever done wrong. Everything I will ever do wrong. And he goes to the cross to die for me. And God, the Bible says, gives him to us as a gift. And how often, having received this gift, do we forsake him for something else? You know what grace is? What is grace to you? What's the first word or the first thing that comes to mind when you hear grace? Someone said, Jesus, Jesus. 
What's the first thing? You shout it out. Undeserved? Same thing? Amazing? Amazing grace. That's, that's so awesome. Did you just hear that song? So, huh? Strength or power. It's the first thing that comes to mind. I just, just, that's what I heard. I heard this. When when there's seven words at the same time, that's what it sounds like. Reviving. Freedom. Love. Forgiveness. Mercy. Peace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Wow. Favor. Favor. Got that in there. Good stuff. Oh, wow, that's so awesome. I can't believe you admitted to that. Jesus looked at favor. That's what the Bible, that's what Webster says. You know. Huh? No, I haven't been mocking her the whole time. What else? Huh? Anything else? Are you waiting for my answer? You guys are funny. I'm not giving you mine. Now, I think, I think to an extent, we understand grace, and all of your answers were on point. They were a part of grace. They define grace in some way, some more, some less. Favor. No, that was a good answer. By definition, really, if, if she were to look up in more detail, let's say uh, unmerited favor. Um, specifically God's unmerited favor, not just favor. Favor, I can do you a favor, but when God does us a favor, it's a way different thing. God's unmerited favor, unlimited favor, it's something he does for us that makes no sense. Worship team, can you guys come out really quick? I think we understand grace. But you know, I think it's hard for us to really receive all that grace has done. There was a story about Barabbas. He is the man that stands on trial with Jesus at the same time. 
when they stand on trial, this man, the Bible says, is a notorious criminal. You remember this story? This is a good example that helped me a lot to see grace. What is the difference between mercy and grace? Go ahead, Lana. Other way. Say it again. Go ahead. It's good. Say it loud, girl. Scream that you're preaching. And mercy, oh, dang it, <laughs> why really? So grace is something we've been given that we don't deserve, and mercy is something that we've not been given that we do deserve. You get that? Good. Our sins, our sins deserved punishment by death. Does that hit home for anybody? I don't, know, I don't know if it does, really. Does that hit home for you? I want you to check this out. If you broke one commandment, one commandment, you know, let's, let's do this. This is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is God. Stand up, please. Watch. I want, you, I want you to see how easy this is. Stand up. been a long weekend for me if you have ever lied sit down <laughs> the, check this out I, I'm gonna help you out the ones that stood longer are the best liars stand up stand up back up If you have ever cheated, the, the, <laughs> does a test count? <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm not making fun of you. That's just awesome. I love that. And all, all the test takers were like the last ones. Oh, man. Fifth grade or this year. Stand back up. Ever had a negative thought against someone? I don't know if the camera people are fed up with this. I don't care. This is good. Stand back up. This is, hey, we're, uh, we're talking about things, by the way, not concerning 600 plus commandments, just, just, just within the 10. Never said God's name in vain. <laughs> the one person who thought maybe they're holy is I, I'm not. <laughs> no, she's like, God. <laughs> now, 
If you have done any of that, you deserve The Son of God had a nail go, not into his hand. Do you know that? Crucifixion was common in Roman Empire even before. When a person would be crucified, the nail wouldn't go through the hand. It'd go between your two bones, some of you know what those bones are called, right here in the wrist. Do you know why? From weight of any man, a nail in the hand would tear through. Imagine that. And so they would put it between bones. And so the bones is, what I, the bones is actually what would give support to having, having him hang. Now, that bone, the nail that went here, there's nerves that run through here. Arteries, veins, some of you know this stuff way better than I do. Arteries? I don't think so. I just, I'll correct him later. <laughs> yeah, thank you for correcting me later. Appreciate it. A nail went through this part of his wrist. For one lie you told. One. Another one went through the other wrist for just one negative thought you had against somebody. One nail would go through, what's that called, what's this part of the foot called? No, there's a medical, I think there's a medical term for it, the front part where it bends. Oh, yeah, some of you are really smart now. It'd go through this, this soft area, going through the back of the heel, into the other one and out the back of that heel. If you're in it, our interns know that took internship, we do a detailed study on the crucifixion of Christ and what that looked like. And... I think what we cover is, the interns would agree, is a percent of what it actually Jesus had to go through. And we don't have time to go into detail of the crucifixion. But this crucifixion happened because of your sin. Wow, thank you, Lord. That's really great. Appreciate it. And God, this is crazy thing about grace God did not just forgive us for what we did he forgave us for anything we would ever do apart from forgiving us for anything we would ever do so I want you to check this out I am a sinner I've done much wrong I have looked lustfully, I have thought negatively, I have hated, I have cheated, I have stolen. God forgives me for everything I have ever done. Okay? Is this great news? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. He forgives me 
for everything I have ever done. He forgives me for everything I have ever done. On top of forgiveness for everything I've ever been, I've ever done. He gives me, the Bible says, new birth. New birth is my inner condition which caused all of my issues, not how I dress and look, what was in wrong in me, what was happening inside of me, sin that, was, that I was born into, that was living in me, my sinful nature. Jesus pins this to a cross. He removes the problem that was within me, the cancer, lightly put, that was within me. After he forgives this thing, he removes it out of my life because it was taken upon him on the cross. Then he gives me a new body. He gives me a new nature. He puts something in me that now is holy, that now is good, that now is... We're not done yet. He gives this to me. And this now will empower me to live in a way that I could not live before when I had darkness in me. New nature. But we're not done. We're really, I'm really just touching the water. We could go so deep with everything God has done. I, I think this series wouldn't be enough for two years, five years, maybe eternity. Probably eternity. Yeah. Should have just went there. Should have just went straight to eternity. I don't know why I did two weeks or two, whatever. <laughs> I am now a new being. Born by the Spirit of God. Do you remember that day? If you... Woo! You can't describe that day. You can't describe what happened. You can't describe in fullness what you experienced, what you felt, how real God was to you in that moment. But we see a new person, so we know you encountered God. Amen. Then, if we rewind, my darkness and cancer, no purpose, no plan, no future. Nothing that would grow, that would be a blessing. God now, from this area, removes, gives me himself. His Holy Spirit comes inside of me. And now, on top of having the Holy Spirit, this is not where he stops. He says, now I have a plan for you. I have a purpose by the way which I intended for you to have before the foundations of the earth. I have destiny for you. There was something I made you for that I planned myself before the foundations of the earth. There is something I want you to live for now. You didn't know what you were living for. You didn't know why you were going where you were going. You didn't know why you were doing what you were doing. But now you're going to know why you live. You're going to know why you get up. You're going to know why you go. You're going to know why you come. You're going to know why. But I'm not done yet. He's not done yet. I've given you a specific calling. You have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a destiny, but I've now given you a specific calling. I have designed you in a way that no one else in this world is designed, and so with that design, I've given you a calling, something that only you can do in the way that you do it, and I want you to do it because it's the best thing for you. Are you with me? 
See, some of you have a gift and a calling to serve people. And you will serve people in the way that nobody else here can serve them. Because it's you and there's no other you. I would, especially when I was just getting into sharing and preaching, Pastor Slide would have me start services, do offering. I would listen to all these preachers. I'm like, man, dude, I can't. I'm never going to preach like that. I can't do that. That guy is so deep. Flats of sugar. Are you kidding me? That guy doesn't stop. I think he's cheating somehow. He has a, you know, some software. I don't know. Down, he's, a cyborg, he's a cyborg. I don't know. But you know what I came to find out? That the way I preach, I stop looking at everybody else. You know how much it set me free? You know how much I don't care what you think about me? It's, it's, you might think I do, but you have no idea. I don't care. I used to care so much, how am I going to say things? How am I going to make my points? How am I going to lay my messages out? And I, I was so concerned with how I'm going to do this and make sure that I do it good and people like it and people compliment me and people say, wow, that was powerful and wow, this was that. You know, today I want less compliments. Can you help me out? I want you to come up to me and tell me, hey, man, thank the Lord for what he said today. Come up to me and say, hey, you know, this thing you said, you could say that better. Oh, I'm gonna take notes. I'm serious. I don't get offended when people in our church Sunday mornings, especially my my lovely grandmas. Come on, I love them. My elderly folk, they come up to me. Hey, you know, George, you could have done this and this and this. And I love like especially they don't preach as often as the young bucks do now in our church. But I, but I know they were powerful preachers when they were young. And they come up to me, and I know they I know they can preach. And they come up to me, you know, George, I. You laid it kind of out like this, but I would do this, and I'd put that in there. And you said this one thought, but you could have illustrated a lot. But I'm like, I just take notes. He's like, and then they, they, they say, are you, are you not upset? I'm like, I enjoy you telling me this more than 100 thank yous because I'm learning. You know, the way I communicate, there's some of you here, Alex, I know, Joe, many of you, some of our girls, hello. Goodness gracious, can lay the word down. Dennis, who's sick. I've, I've heard Andrew share some powerful stuff. John, I've heard you. You, you hide and you're humble, but you can, you, I know you can preach the word. Andrew's here. There's a lot of you I don't even know about, and I know you can, you can preach the word. But you know that you can't compare yourself to anybody here? You know the way God's created you to give a message? Nobody else can give a message like that. The way you can reach people with your words, I will never be able to reach them. When Joe and Alex begin to preach, they're all fired up, running all over this altar. There's something that happens in your heart when they speak that does not happen when I speak. You might think, oh, yeah, it's the same old thing. No, it's not. It's not. There's something you begin to receive that you can only receive from them. There's something you begin to receive when David is leading worship. There's something you begin to receive when Mariana is leading worship. There's something you begin to see when Jacob is leading worship. There's something you begin to see when Masha was leading worship today. Because when they lead, God's designed them in a certain way. And what they sing and what they say, it touches people in a way it cannot by anybody else.
And so you have been perfectly, specifically, individually, originally, organically created to do something that only you can do. And God's given you that. We're not done. Oh my gosh, we need to finish and we're not done. Let's skip some stuff. God has a blessed future for you. You know how many people wake up, will wake up tomorrow, worrying, stressing, scared, in anxiety, in fear, in chronic sickness, because they are afraid of not knowing what's coming. My wife would nanny for a lady. She had three kids. Pretty hard situation she was in. She was in such stress mode, nonstop, because she didn't know how things would play out, work out with her husband, her house, her kids, their future, making sure their ki her kids are going to be good Christians. And then she just was freaking out about everything. You know what you have when you wake up that many people do not have? is a promise from God that there is a future he has promised for you. Oh, but we, we wake up. Hey, 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 you can clap. Clap after this. You wake up. Oh, God, why me? Oh, God, what's going on? Oh, God, what about my home, my family, my parents, my church, my life group, my leader, this and this and that? Yeah, no claps. That's what I thought. It's okay. How often? How often we wake up? Oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is... God has promised you a future. He says, everything you will ever need, I will give to you. Where you will go, the hands of your work will be blessed. The work of your hands will be blessed. You go in a desert, streams will begin to flow because you are there. Abraham came up to a desert. Some of you are too concerned about your future, and I want to wake you up. Abraham came up to a desert. Well, I'd say not a desert. He came up to a, a borderline, like a border. Yes. A fence that went really, really far. To help us understand, a wall that was very, 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 very far. He came up to this wall. It wasn't really a wall, but I'm going to help you. It's really the same thing. He came up to this wall that ran this way. And he had one land and another land. He comes with his nephew. What's his name? Lot. You remember what he says? I've only begun to realize more and more in, in this last season what in the world that guy did. He comes up to Lot to this border. And he says this. Now, Lot, you can have this part of the cheesecake and I'm going to have this one. You can, you can cut the cake first, Lot. You can shoot first, man. I'll shoot after you. I'm just, I'm just helping you out. I'm helping you out. I'm helping you out. Because what he said, some of you are worried about your future, your life. What he said is this. Hey, Lot. He, by the way, he's older. He has more. He should go first because he's an elder. He says, hey, Lot. These are two lands. 
and you can pick where you want to go. And wherever you go, I'll go the other way. The dude wasn't a bachelor. Wives, a lot of kids. Abraham was so powerful, he had an army. He was a nation. When he would come to cities, kings would be afraid because he had the power to take over. He was just walking around with his hood. <laughs> Came to a place of like, hey, Abraham, whatever you need, man, we'll give it to you. But I want, I want to make a treaty with you right now because I know you ain't no joke. And I don't want you to take my stuff and my, my people and my place. And, so, you know, and they make a deal. And here Abram is standing and he's saying, Lot, you, you can pick. The Bible says Lot looked for a long time. He looked. And the Bible begins to describe us what he is looking at. It says he looks one way. It's a desert. There's no water. There's no, no sources of water. No good vegetation. No place to harvest. It's probably really, really hot out there. He looks another way. And it begins to give us a much beautiful explanation water flowing land milk and honey blah 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 green pastures beautiful area where he can now reside and take his family to and a lot of course looking long says well oh. and i wonder how that came out you know a lot um i respect you so much you know and i i don't know how he said this but he just chooses the better thing in his eyes. I'm going to go here. Abraham says, okay, I'll go the other way. And he begins to walk with his wives, his children, his army, his servants, all his stuff to the desert. about two of you up here right now and I said hey you pick right now what you want to do with your life and where you want to go and where you want to live and hey person B you will do the complete opposite Lot ends up being attacked by an army the city is attacked by an army he gets captured he gets taken away Abraham comes to rescue him Abraham is in the desert everything he has begins to flourish and grow and be blessed they dig wells life starts in the desert because God is with Abraham and a man goes to the desert but you know what that man had that Lot did not God I know that you are with me you have been with me since the beginning. What I have is because of you. What I am is because of you. And wherever I go, I know you are with me and you will bless me. And now Abraham began to go into a desert. He began to go to a valley. He began to go to a broke place. He began to go to a low income job. He began to go to low level living. He began to go to a place that nobody lives. But God made a place that he could live in because God was with him. Do you trust God that truly your future is in his hands? I was talking to some of our people that were encountering. 
man, I'm just freaking out about my life. I don't know what's going to be next, what's coming up. I don't know what to do, man. And I got so many, and, and like just sincere, sincere things that I was worried about at their age too. And I'm like, and, and I, I, hey, okay, I hear you, I hear you. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, what's up? Did you give your life to God? Yeah. What does that mean? Did you give your life to God? Did you give him just that day of your salvation? Did you just give him that first year of your salvation? Did you just give him a season of salvation? What did you? I, I gave him my life. I gave him everything. Well, if you gave him everything, he is holding your life. And everything that you are worried about, he already has figured out. All you need to do is just trust him and live your life. What we worry about today, often tomorrow, we will begin to laugh about because we know God has that under control. Well, we freak out about today, tomorrow, all of a sudden we have faithful because we know, man, God, is, God has got this. God has got me. Well, we are losing our mind over it. Well, all of a sudden we begin to make total sense tomorrow because, oh, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. This is, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, let's just jump right to this. You could not come to the presence of God because of your condition before Jesus came. You know, all this is great, but the most precious thing that God did is that here on earth I could have heaven in my life. Here on earth I could encounter His presence. Here on earth, like Enoch, I could walk with God. His presence couldn't be real to me. What people are running around trying to break their heads over, figuring out their life. God, he is in me. His presence is in my life. People talk and dream about heaven, but heaven's already in me. And I get to live with it here on earth. I wake up and I encounter him. I go to sleep and I talk to him. I'm taking a test. He begins to speak to me to help me. I wish that would be so cool. I'm living my life and I, I'm driving in the car and this person next to me is driving alone, but I'm driving alone, but I understand that I'm not alone, that he's in the seat with me. He is so real to me. I can almost hear him and feel him. Have you had moments where you feel like Jesus is there? He's here. Like he's here. He's here. I've had those moments. And I, I, I fall on my face. I begin to cry. My like, God, are you serious? And on top of this, no matter how my life pans out, no matter where I end up going, no matter what happens to my family, no matter me fulfilling my calling and how I do it and when I do it, God promised me as his son that I will be with him forever. Man, it took me a while to get here. I'm sorry. This has just been really hard. God promised me that I will be with him forever. Am I going to be a tree? Am I going to be born again? Do I need to say something special? To, am I going to explain my story before God? No, I have a guarantee here. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of anything coming my way because God's promised me that when I close my eyes, I'm not dying. I'm just going to go to sleep and pass to a place where I'll be with him forever. Shakes me to the core when I hear stories of believers that get martyred or get crucified or get in an accident or laying on their deathbed and people say, when I look into that person's eyes, there is no fear. 
There is no worry. They know where they're going. You know what's crazy about all that that we talked about and so much more is that it came free to you. It came free to you. You can't attain anything we talked about by your own strength. Galatians says, if you even try, if you even try to fulfill the law, if you even try to be righteous on your own, if you even try to figure this out on your own, the Bible says, immediately you fall from grace. That means when I wake up in the morning and I'm trying to get to God, when God says I can have him, when I'm trying to make my way into his presence, when I'm trying to do everything right just to be able to open the word and read it, when I'm trying to fulfill the law in any way and be good and do good, God says you have fallen from grace. Because you need to understand, my friend, that everything I have given you and everything I have promised to you didn't have you in doing anything. You didn't do anything. I did it all. I did it all. I figured it all out. I have done it all. I've done it all. Everything I have done for you just to receive. This is crazy. And I think some of you, yeah, I know this, but the way we live, we don't know. Because how often we are striving and trying to figure this out and push through this and God, I want you to be pleased with me and happy with me. You did nothing and he loved you. You did nothing and he accepted you. You did nothing and he died for you. You did nothing and he made a plan for you. You did nothing and he healed you. You did nothing. And in the moment I receive him into my life, everything comes as a package and that's why it's called grace. It's grace unmerited favor, life, forgiveness, happiness, joy, power to live a new holy life. It's undeserved and it's free. Well, I don't, I don't know. You, you don't know my story. And you don't know mine. But I'm telling you, no matter what your story is, you can't deserve this. And you can't earn this. And you will never pay a price for it. Somebody already did, and that's why it's grace. You just receive what he did. You believe in what he did. You allow this grace to now begin to work in your life and begin to give you what he has already paid for. It breaks my heart when you're looking Christianity today and how many people are living such a low level of life calling themselves believers you know something that was paid such a high price for can do some powerful things in our life I'd begin to argue with you if it was five bucks that Jesus gave to us he gave everything he gave everything. He gave such a value to you by the price that he paid that there's a life that you are called to live 
That man is so incredible, so above what you are thinking right now. Such a new level of joy and peace and relationship with God. Receiving what he has for you. Such a freedom when you wake up every day because that grace, man, it's expensive. And expensive stuff can't be wasted on low-level living. Expensive things... Man, expensive things are to be cared for. Expensive things are to be cherished. Expensive things are to be, man, held to, to our time, you know, held, held carefully, held in the safest place in our heart because the grace that we received, we can't just go spend. You didn't pay for it. I want to tell you that you didn't pay for it and you can't live your life like you did. He paid for it. He paid for it all. And so my life lived now in grace has to be, man, it, so godly god help me help me understand this grace and help me receive this grace into my life every day that i can live in the way that you want me to live that can please you with my decisions please you with my choices please you with my appearance please you with how i do things because i have your grace i have your grace in my life